Well, hello. Hello. How are you, Kirk? Oh, I'm shocked to see a pig Actually. boy. You weren't kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> I've never seen this icon before. I heard a joke about that on the show. That's not an icon. That is my photo. Wow. That's what I really look like. The camera puts on 10 pounds of bacon. <laughs> yeah, and the snout. That's got to be, uh, I'm thinking it's not Rip Torn. I'm trying to think who, uh, Bill, who your icon is. It's, it's uh, you're close. close. Um, I can't. I can't come up with a name, but I recognize. You have the right was... initials. You have the right, right first, first name. name. Rip. Rip Taylor? Rip Torn? Yep. I, Rip, oh. Taylor. Rip Taylor. Taylor? Boy, that's really pulling it out of the memory banks. <laughs> he was a, he was a, Uh-oh. Was or is I a lost Bill too. there. Hmm? No, now we're here. Yeah, yeah, right. come on, yeah, yeah. ready to roll i guess so mm-hmm. <clears throat> you lead i'll follow okay hello everybody and welcome to avengers spotlight this is a special supplemental issue interrupting our celestial madonna coverage uh, the reason for that is because longtime listener and proficient letter writer kirk greenfield has sent me copies of issues 1.1, and 4.1 of the most recent Avengers reboot. Uh, he did leave me on my own to head to the comic store, and I picked up issue 5.1, which completes that particular storyline. And I really do appreciate Kirk sending them to me. So we decided that it would be a good time to just kind of give a, a brief synopsis of these issues and talk about them and their impact on the Marvel Universe or their impact retroactively on the mobile universe so as always i am here today with dr bill robinson hi who's been out on the road for most of the day so you gotta forgive his <sighs> lack of energy and i thought what with kirk having sent them to me and all it would be nice to have kirk on here too so welcome aboard kirk why thank you thank you very much and thank you for sending me these books i appreciate it it was a hey, kind you of weren't a supposed fun to read. talk about that bribe. <laughs> it was a fun read. I, I really did enjoy this. Uh, we, we'll talk about the overall story at, at length as we go on, but I, as I said, I really did appreciate this. Uh, now, that said, I, I'm a little surprised that the bribe came through and uh, there's no Submariner to speak of in all of this. Yeah, isn't that odd? Um, this is... is... 
I don't know. It, it, it's this this miniseries, this five part miniseries, is aimed at the older fan who remembers Cap's kooky quartet, or more respectfully, Cap's recruits. And although that was just a little before my time, I know the period pretty well. It's been reprinted in Marvel Masterworks. Um, it's you know it it's an obvious bid at getting the older fan back into mm-hmm. buying Marvel. And I think it works for the most part, but uh, maybe we'll save the evaluations or the grading for later on. I, I really like this. I like the art, and they're well-researched. Yeah, well, it's written by, uh, by what's it, Mark Wade, if I remember right. And mm-hmm. I'm he... flipping quickly to try to... Try to get yes, you're right. Mark written Wade. by Mark Wade, penciled by Barry Kitson, inked by Mark Farmer, colored by Jordan Boyd, and lettered by Ferran Delgado. Uh, Mark Wade is is one of the writers out there who's well known as being kind of a comics historian, and that he's you know on top of things and trying to tie things together. And I always like that approach to retcon, not just changing things but trying to take the existing lore and make it fit with the retcon that you're doing and i think that's one of the things that you know going into this series i kind of anticipated that right off the bat with it now there's a couple of points and again we'll get more into depth with it there's a couple of points mostly with the ending that kind of go against a little bit of what i anticipated for it but Overall, again, still a solid read. Had the feel of those early issues. I remember reading those, the Cap Kooky, Cap's Kooky, Kooky Quartet, as you call it. Uh, when I first started collecting in the 70s, uh, the Avengers were in the 120s. But the reprints of the Avengers, which I'm at a loss for which series was reprinting them. But Marvel that, Triple Action. Was it Triple Action? Okay. Probably. I, I think you're correct. Yeah, it sounds that. right. And they were they were reprinting the the Kooky Quartet issues at that same time. So as I was acclimating myself to what was going on currently, my research into the past was heavily uh, influenced with the uh, the Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, Hawkeye, Cap Avengers. Right. So this this I, I definitely have a lot of fondness for this particular uh, era as well. I know uh, I, we talked to Scott. And he he found these issues when he went back. Not not this miniseries, but the uh, issues that they're based on. He seemed to find it to be a bit of a slog to get through, but I still enjoyed it. I can understand that. We should also um, add that the term Cap's Kooky Quartet comes from one of those letters pages in the original Avengers um, run. The the original fans who remember the original Avengers before issue sixteen were really cheesed off about this change. And as a result, there was a lot of um, discontent, if not hate mail, saying, bring back the originals. Who are these guys? Um, I I think I probably have issue 21 or 22 in my collection. And as I recall, there was a letter or two in there that referenced Cap's kooky quartets. And that stuck in the back of my mind ever since because it was such great alliteration. But... uh, other people refer to this as Cap's Recruits, and uh, I think that's a more honorable, uh, more respectful way to describe this period, but either way works. Yeah, well, just looking back, now we recently covered issue 16 on an episode of Bins, so the first story of this storyline is, is already has already been covered. 
but I could see where, especially as a young comic reader, you know, you're used to Thor, Iron Man, Captain America, Giant Man, and now you have this group. I understand mm-hmm. why Marvel did it, but I could also understand people reading it saying, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> what right. the hell's going on here? This isn't what I signed on for. But I think if they, you know, I think if they read, I do think there was some quality stories being written. They, you know, they didn't have the bombastic power surge that the original crew did. But if you, you read those issues from one to fifteen, they became kind of repetitive. Yes. So you know, at least now we had a little bit more melodrama. You know, you you had a foursome that didn't nearly have the power. So when they were facing, you know, whatever antagonist was in the given issue. It was more of an uphill climb for them. So I, in many ways, you know, it created greater drama. So I, I was fine with this. Even, even as a 12-year-old reading them. I'd always heard that Stan Lee had introduced or um, put the Hulk in the original Avengers specifically as a, as a foil, as a disruptive factor, as the one that didn't fit to add dramatic tension. And I think in this incarnation of the four cap. Wanda, Pietro, and um, we eventually find out his name is Clint. Uh, Hawkeye's not the only one who doesn't fit, but he's the most vocal one for the same reasons, I think, to give it dynamic tension and a dysfunctional family and, you know, to, to give it, uh, well, <laughs> every issue, almost every issue has a quarrel between Cap and, and uh, Hawkeye. And, and Hawkeye declaring how he should be the leader of the team. Yes. Yeah. So we might as well jump right into this series. And uh, I apologize to anybody listening that we have no formal uh, synopsises written on any of this. But on the other hand, we're not going to ask Bill to synopsize any of them. (laughs) So I think we'll be okay. So the first issue has a cover by Barry Kitson. Uh, We have Cap standing front and center with Hawkeye and the Scarlet Witch at either side of him. And then in a very, I think, a very clever uh, drawing moment, Quicksilver is seen on each of the far ends because he's moving so quickly that you have two images of him. And then behind them, there's the images of Iron Man, Hulk, Thor, Giant Man, and Wasp. I think it's a, it's a pretty, pretty good cover. It really, you know, pulled me in right away. I agree. That's what pulled me in as well. What do you think, Bill? Who did this cover? Barry Kitson. <laughs> Barry Kitson. I know, I'm wondering if I'm, I'm familiar with Barry Kitson. I can't looks say like I have I, a tremendous like familiarity with him. Looks like I should be familiar with him, but I can't place where I've seen him. What I like about it, or one of the things I like about it, is it evokes an earlier style, but it doesn't appear to be imitating an earlier style. It's not like they're saying let me draw this the way Jack Kirby would have, or let me draw this the way Don Heck would have. It's let me draw this in my own style, but using the house style of the day, or my own abilities with using the house style of the day. Yeah, some of the stuff seems a little updated, but it still feels like it's an older comic. Going into the story, it picks up kind of where issue 16 that we've previously covered did where the Avengers are facing off against the Masters of Evil, including the Black Knight, the Enchantress, the Melter, and the Executioner. Isn't uh, that the Smelter? Yes, the Smelter. <laughs> Close. And they're, they're battling, and they defeat that crew pretty quickly in this issue, but they do not use the 
silliness of actually that was actually in Avengers 16 where it was uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember they brought them to like some alternate dimension which it turned their own powers yeah. against them or something stupid along those lines so after they defeated them they're being uh, praised by the crowd but that's when they decide hey we're gonna we're gonna replace uh, ourselves with people and take a leave of absence and they don't really give us anything as far as the recruiting process there's no getting the band together uh, they just cut to cap being told here's your new recruits and the three of them are sitting in a uh, I guess a control room of some sort uh, here's the keys bye yeah basically that's it and cap is clearly not happy with it they're not happy either but he's gonna make the best of it so they go out for a uh, press conference everybody shows off their powers the uh, the press doesn't is, is unimpressed with them saying that they're uh, you know they're, they're basically villains uh, and at this point, the Frightful Four, who, to my knowledge, never faced off against the Avengers in any previous incarnation, uh, decide to take on this group to just kind of enhance their own rep. And they battle it out, but the the new Avengers don't act as a team, and they're pretty quickly defeated by the Frightful Four, who then just take their leave. And, and worse yet, it's all televised. The yeah. media was there for the big announcement, so it's a big embarrassment to the new Avengers. I also have to say, I don't think Cap's uh, assignments of who takes which person, I he's supposed to be a brilliant strategist, and I don't think he made the right call there. I mean, seriously, you know, he, he's got an archer with, who shoots a weapon, and he's got a guy with two guns. I would think that those two would have to go against each other Cap should have taken out the wizard, and that would leave either Wanda with uh, Medusa or Quicksilver with uh, the Sandman. Something to that effect. I just yeah, don't... but he's but he's still uh, he's still kind of new to this era, so maybe he wasn't aware of all the, you know, their actual their skills. Yeah, well, I, got, I, gotta yes, think I at, agree with that. Well, I got to think at this point, you know, we we are a decent amount removed from Avengers number four at this point, even in the, you know, whatever timeline exists in the comic itself so i I think he's had i mean he's probably a year well but i think he's probably familiar with who the frightful four are probably knows their power set but i also think he may not really have a grasp on his team yet he's really just met these people right Right. he may have heard of them he may have a vague understanding of of who they are but i don't think he's had a chance to analyze how best to use their powers i mean he's not a computer you know what I mean? It's it's. I think it's right. expecting a little too much of him to already have the strategy down. I think his his logic is Sandman is the most powerful. I'll take him. I think that's really all all he uses there. And then it's like everybody else, come on, just go. So, hmm. but they 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 do not act as a team at all, and they're fairly quickly dispatched. So. This this was a very quick read. It is decompressed. Yep. Uh, but it was enjoyable. I, I as I said, I liked the artwork in it, and I liked the uh, the story. I thought it you know it was it was a nice start to it all. One of the neat things about these issues is they reprint the letters pages from the original series that would have been how do I put this? 16's letter pages or 17's letters pages are showing up in the back of this first issue. 
So you see the comments that real fans were making mm-hmm. about that time period showing up. It even has a mighty Marvel checklist that tells you what's going on with the other Marvel issues that mm-hmm. were being published at this time. So, boy, they're really, really hitting all the memories, all the, the, the pushing all the memory buttons for you know, the older fan here. What was your take on it, Bill? Uh, like I said, I do like the art. Um, and with it um, playing on nostalgia, I like that, but then I don't know if I really want... I mean, I'm not slamming the series, but I don't know if I want this decompressed and told in the modern way. You know, I mean, I mean, these five issues take in 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 between one issue, which with a, with a totally untold tale, which I I mean, I guess is good. I don't know. I, I mean, I just read it. I haven't had a lot of time to digest it. I just read it mm-hmm. before we came on, so so I'm still kind of form you know formulating some things in my head and like to read it through through again. No, so, you will, you will mean, have a but, chance, but, just not before we record. Yes. <laughs> I didn't think that this was all that decompressed. I I thought that this is kind of embroidering and, and you know telling an untold tale, but filling in the cracks with an original tale, but it's it's tied into the Marvel Universe very well, very cleverly, taking the characters as they were at that time. For instance, there's a hint that Medusa is a little reluctant to go into battle Mm -hmm. well at this time medusa was a cold-blooded killer well all right we know where medusa goes in future stories we know how her character evolves so they're sowing a couple of those seeds here but still making it a very entertaining read that's that's my take sorry if i'm giving you a critique or a review uh too early but no 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 no. well i mean i'm interested in your point of view on it i'm a little confused as to where this the person we're going to be introduced to soon Mm-hmm. Who? Where does she come from? Is she ever heard uh, of again? That's that's where uh, that's... we're gonna go. Uh, okay, yeah. let's right. let's we'll we'll get we'll get there as we come along with this. So just cut, moving along to issue number two. Now I had I had just before you sent this to me, Kirk. I had just glanced at this in the store. I hadn't really given it much of a look, and just seeing the cover image at the time at a glance, I thought that was Magneto for, that we were seeing from behind. Ah. I don't, you know, I can't, I can't say that. I mean, if I looked a little closer and even saw the words "death is a stranger," I probably, uh, probably could have figured it out. But what we have on the cover of issue two is an image from behind of the stranger, and he's kind of teleporting, not teleporting. He's kind of floating in the air, levitating, levitating. Thank you. Uh, and he's got what appears to be flames or lava down below him, and his hands are glowing. And it looks like the cityscape behind is getting all uh, kind of thrown out of proportion. While Cap Hawkeye... Yes, very much Inception. Uh, Cap Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, and Pietro are looking on. Cap looks like he's coming, going to battle. Scarlet Witch looks like she's throwing some sort of spell. But Hawkeye's kind of just standing there. And, and Pietro looks a little dumbfounded. So I, I think that, you know, it's kind of showing that they don't really know exactly what they're dealing with here. Remember, uh, only the two mutants have ever had any contact with the stranger before. And it was a pretty abrupt and shocking, uh, mm-hmm. as we'll find out. 
Yeah, that would be in event uh, X Men either ten or eleven. I don't eleven. Know which. Eleven. Okay. So the story uh, it opens with the new Avengers on the shoreline fighting a uh, some sort of giant beast at Montauk Beach, who they uh, they do dispatch, uh, and only to a uh, limited amount of praise from the group, and then they end up having to take the bus from there and the again the people aren't really full of praise for them uh, Hawkeye is is abusing Jarvis as a butler and a continuing uh, theme yes and there's some tension between our new recruits and Cap decides to go on a mission uh, I'm trying to remember exactly how it came about did they they decided to go after the stranger no the stranger appears in some fashion to Pietro and Wanda for reasons unknown. And Cap decides, well, you know, if he's coming after you, we're going to deal with this as a family. We're going to be a team. So who's the best person to give us some background on this? Probably the X-Men. Do you know where they live? Well, as it turns out, Wanda and Pietro apparently do know. And so they, in a flashback, they give them uh, some indication of where to find the X-Men. And they're not exactly warmly greeted. I thought that was rather interesting. It's not all one happy family at this point. Yeah. Well, you got to uh, remember, Professor X is a douche at yeah, this time. Particularly, well, but Professor X, although, you know, when you look at what he did, when you read those old issues of the uh, X-Men, he was very cavalier about using his, his mental powers to wipe memories and do things. But he was always presented as benevolent, despite that. Yes. Yes. Whereas in later, more recent days, uh, that benevolence has been much put much more under question, and his motivations haven't always been quite as pure as they were back then. So there is a, there is some retconning to it, but this book kind of takes on some of that. And again, I think Mark Wade is really good at that. But he he has, uh, you know, Professor Xavier says, "I do not take well to being ordered around in my own home." Uh, but then he, he does help them, but then all of a sudden they find themselves on their uh, Quinjet <laughs> with, with no memory of how they got on it. So he clearly did something there. Anyway, they, uh, they go on to find the stranger along with a young lady. And that lady apparently has the power to amplify the powers of others. So with her aid, they... I wouldn't go as far as to say defeat the stranger, but they certainly, they certainly hold him off and give him all he can handle, and then he just leaves. So, But then we see that the woman is maybe maybe not exactly what we appear, she appears to be, because in her amplifying their powers, she's apparently drained that energy from other people whose bodies are left in husks. Mm. And that's a pretty disturbing scene at the end. It sure is. It's uh, They're not zombies, but they're corpses. And you know what came to my mind? They're talking about this is Thailand. Her name is Cressida. Cressida? Mm-hmm. Cressida. Um, yeah, I believe it would be Cressida. You know, it just evoked memories of the killing fields. Hmm. You know that movie? Yes. And the, the history of the Khmer Rouge? Hmm. That's what it evoked for me. It's like, oh boy, are we going there? Well, they didn't really... They didn't dwell on it for too long. No, 
but that could be I wouldn't be surprised if that was the image he had in mind when they did that but uh, you know now now we start going somewhere else here with this with this story you know the first issue was more or less acclimating ourselves to what happened in issue 16 and building on it a little bit and changing things a little bit the frightful four but now we're going very off the uh, previously told stuff and I don't know exactly where this fits I haven't looked at 17, 18, 19, 20 and figure out, okay, you know, is this after any of those events or is this all between 16 and 17? Uh, I don't know if either of you have kind of given that yeah, a look. I have. Um, and what, what do you, what I, do you uh, think? When you get to the fifth issue, the end of this series, there's a very clear um, next issue blurb. We're going after the Minotaur, which would be issue 17 so this whole thing fits yeah. between 16 and 17 oh, okay, but i'm good. with you when i read this second issue i wasn't I was sure like, if this was a parallel or what yeah because i couldn't figure out what how it picked up from the end of the last one and right time like, has lapsed there's been some passage of time they've picked themselves up and dusted themselves off but you don't know how much time has passed but the whole series fits between 16 and 17 very effectively Okay. Well, I'm glad you clarified that because I, I do remember now that you say it, seeing that thing about the Minotaur, but I had not really taken note. Of course, the Minotaur is you know one of the great moments in Avengers history. Oh, oh please! <laughs> uh, the upper left-hand corner of the cover, you'll note mm -hmm. the corner box has an additional little blurb: Pop Art Productions. Right, which was on. I don't know how long it lasted. I thought it was for more than three a month. months. Three months. It was okay. three, three to four months, depending on which issues you're looking at. But that's you know, it was just one quarter of the year. Um, I'm not exactly sure what Stan thought he was doing, and I'm not exactly sure who told him to stop. <laughs> but there was this period that swept across the entire line, sort of a stunt, I suppose, where he labeled his. Um, all the comics as pop art production. So that, again, pushes one of these old familiar buttons for the longtime fans. Yeah, I, I think it was more or less an effort to seem cool and hip uh, mm -hmm. by having, you know, pop art and Andy Warhol, that kind of feel, mm -hmm. uh, which was, you know, very popular at that particular time. So I, I think that was the, the thought process. I don't know if it worked particularly well. In fact, I'm pretty confident it did not, or I think they wouldn't have gotten rid of it so quickly. Uh, I wondered if it was Goodman who who leaned on him and said, "What are you doing?" But I don't know. I have no evidence to back that up. I do remember when I read Marvel Untold Story, they do mention the whole uh, pop art thing, but I don't remember the explanation they give. Uh, but I, for some reason, I'm under the impression that that. Goodman said to do it, and then when they did it, Goodman said, stop doing it. Because that's that just the way he was. <laughs> he, he would, he, you know, definitely from what I read, he was just kind of very impulsive. Now, back to you, Bill. What do you think of issue two? Um, well, when I'm having problems getting it to load, I'm having computer issues. But, um, yeah, that whole Atlantean beast in the opening. Uh, yeah, I, I was a little confused when I jumped into this. I was like, where, where is this? What's Where is this t taking place? How did we get to here from the last issue? And then uh, they do t take him down. So, and, 
It's kind of degrading. They got to ride the bus back to Avengers Mansion or whatever. <laughs> and people are whispering. Caps look all looks all pissed off. Yeah, the mighty called... pretenders. I thought that was pretty clever. Uh huh. Yeah, we'll we'll see that a few more times through through the rest of it, and then uh, Stark shows him the Quinjet, and uh, I I think the art here takes a bit of a cha- a turn in that sequence in the hangar. It doesn't look as the the Hawkeye doesn't look as crisp as a uh, as, as he did. Um, I don't know. It's just like. It just looked a little different there, and then it kind of gets better again. Um, yeah, and as always, Professor X at this time was a douche. Mine wipes him, but at least he sends them where they should be. Um, which was kind of nice, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. So, I'm confused if the stranger says that this person's not a mutant, then what is she? And I don't think we ever find that out. I don't, Correct. but I do believe now I'm under the impression that she's not a mutant. She's an inhuman. Oh, oh, that's my I... that's my take on it now. Hmm. I I have I have no verification for that theory. That's oh, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! So let me let me guess. You think? Well, remind me when we get to the last issue. I have a theory. All that just popped into my head. But okay, I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Because so, something, what, what you just said, and something Marvel did in the past, just struck in my struck a chord. I'm, so. I'm going to be very interested in hearing, so I'm not going to let you forget to mention it. Okay. So moving on to issue three, the cover shows our kooky quartet front and center. Scarlet Witch kind of striking a pose. I think she looks, she looks like she was mooning the crowd, um, but the crowd is all throwing, you know, it looks like cans, bottles. There's an, a- there's an apple in the air. Uh, rocks, uh, so, and then it says, no, no more the heroes. I don't see any. I don't see any placards being thrown. No, no, no. The uh, the sign that the the crowd is behind Hawkeye. They've got an Avengers A that's been X'd out, and somebody else has a sign that's they're holding up that says uh, Avengers out. Right, okay, I thought you meant throwing them. That's, that no, was what no. threw me off. Ungrateful uh, sons of. Oh, sorry. I'm right. Not... I, I like the layout of the cover, or the, the conceptually I like the cover, but I don't really, like I said, I don't like the way Scarlet Witch is posed. She just doesn't look like that's the way somebody would stand with people throwing things at them. Uh, and their faces don't look quite right to me. The only face that looks pretty decent to me is Hawkeye. But overall, yeah, Cap, I don't think it's, Cap looks a little smug, like, hmm. Well, he's hey. shielding Wanda. Dudley do right. Oh, come, come, yeah. Wanda. <laughs> Pietro's got the real pixie boots going. Oh, you're right. I'd never noticed that. Wow. Winged boots. So, he's huh. fabulous. Oh, sorry. I had never seen those before. I wonder if that's something, an innovation. I'm looking at the other covers I and I don't see. I don't if that was something that existed back then that they revived for this or if that's an innovation, as you say. Well, I'll tell you what, I just happen to have my Marvel Masterworks open here, and as I flip through the reprint of 16, uh, there's a flashback to uh, the end of Magneto, and yeah, he's got green uh, little winged boots, but not yellow. Keep going, and I'll check for other appearances. Okay, uh, I'll give start synopsizing this story some. 
so this story opens up with a newscast where people are debating the pluses or minuses of this uh, particular quartet, mostly to the negative. Uh, that's interrupted by an attack uh, by the Mad Thinkers, uh, I guess, recreated or uh, substitute awesome androids that are attacking a crowd and reproducing. Uh, the Mad Thinker wants to hold uh, the city hostage, and so the Avengers start taking on the uh, the crowd of awesome androids. And we see Daredevil in uh, action, as well as Spider-Man as well. And with the help of Cressida, or Cressida the Avengers are able to uh, defeat the threat. And now the New York population starts accepting them. So they become much more accepting of Avenger X, as they call her. Uh, so we, we move on from there. There's a... Uh, I guess it's a senior citizen, a nursing home, where uh, all the mm. patients are dead again, I guess from draining the, their life force in order to uh, strengthen the Avengers, although they're ignorant of this fact. And then right. the Avengers are out, and ultimately Quicksilver takes on Ox from the uh, Enforcers. Mm -hmm. And instead of strengthening Quicksilver, she... Uh, which Avenger X actually strengthens Ox by putting her arm in a TV set and somehow making it present behind him to touch him and strengthen him. I'm not really sure how that works into her power set. Well, right. Plus, plus there's she's a lot been... of her power set that we don't know about, but exactly. is being hinted at. Exactly. Well, plus, she... oh, go ahead. Did you go? Did you? Um, I don't think you covered how she's. Talking to each one, manipulating them yes. kind of against each other. Right, Bill. Good yes, very, very much. Yeah. She's she's telling everybody basically that they're the they're the one who's right and everybody else on the team is out to get them. Yeah, like, Thank oh, you. Hawkeye, you should be the leader. Oh, Cap, well, you know, Hawkeye's under he's a criminal. What makes you think he's changed? Oh, Wanda Pietro wants you to be dependent on him. Oh, Pietro, Wanda's trying to break away from you. Oh, let me shove my hand in the TV. What? Oh. <laughs> so once she does shove her hand in the TV, she strengthens the ox, who then makes pretty quick work of Quicksilver. And to add injury to insult, uh, steps hard on both of his legs and snaps the bones in them. Eesh. And then we, get, we, we ended off with a close-up of Cressida's face saying, one down, three to go. <laughs> what did you guys think of issue three? Ah. <sighs> I'm still wondering what her motivation is. Mm -hmm. um, why suddenly she's doing this. And obviously, I guess she knows that, she, you know, at first it might have been questionable in the last issue if she knew what was happening to the other people. Because it wasn't directly thing. But now that she's acting, you know, it, it you didn't see. She kind of hinted with what, what she said that she knew the rest of them were dead. But she didn't, you know, she said, oh, they ran off when you guys came, which they could have. They could have ran around the back of the, the, you know, the huts or whatever. But but now with the way she's acting and the way she's manipulating the team, it makes you think, well, maybe she knows that she's draining these, these other people. And why is she, you know, what does she have against the Avengers? 
Yeah, we, you know there's something. She's got some sort of plan here that she's executing, but we don't know why. I have to think that she knew right along, and I I took from that her first appearance in the second issue, that last panel, I took that to be a very sinister intent that she knew. I didn't just take it as being irony that, oh gosh, look what happened to these poor folks. I very clearly got the drift that these were her victims. Oh, okay. See, when I first read that issue and they showed that pile of corpses, I wasn't sure if she was aware of it. They were playing it loose and free. It could have gone either way, but mm-hmm. my take was, oh boy, they've got uh, they've got a devil in their midst. Mm-hmm. Speaking of her power set, um, yes. yes, she puts her hand through the TV, but a couple of pages before, uh, we see her after she amplifies Quicksilver's fears, and he takes off. She's in front of that same flat-screen TV and doing something to it, and it's beginning to track him. She can yes. watch his movements. So, Which, you know, you know this, a... this is kind of... All right, so I guess now this is the shifting time scale because there was no flat-screen TV, TVs in this 65. original era. You're right, so... Good catch. Well, I think this supposed to, uh, you know, it's supposed to be moderned up. You know, this, uh, I, you know, we, we always make fun of Dan DiDio with the five-year timeline, but I think, you know, it's a sliding scale and everything's supposed to be probably within the last five to ten years. Mm-hmm. And the flat-screen TVs have been big about that amount of time anyway. Sorry, drinking some dew. You go, you go, boy. Gotta stay we, awake. I'm tired. We know he's amping up now. So let's let's move on to issue four because we're we're going through this fairly rapidly, but there's a lot to cover still. So, uh, oh, you mean five? Because aren't we in four? Oh no, wait, no, I've already jumped was, ahead of four. Three. Sorry. Issue four I... has a cover of the rematch with the Frightful Four. So on the left side of the photo, we have Quicksilver, Cap, Wanda, and Hawkeye, and on the right side, we have Sandman. Medusa, Trapster, and the Wizard. Now, is it me or is Sandman being drawn, you know, kind of huge? Yes. <laughs> yes, larger now, than I, normal. I, I know he can bulk up with the sand, but in that particular shot, his his head is still human. So Mr. Sandman. Like, compare his size to Trapster, who's closer in, you know, in in to the viewer. He, he could have come from the beach and absorbed more sand, made himself a little bigger. Knowing he's going to go fight the Avengers. I can, um, let, I can let it slide that Sandman looks bigger. Because he can yeah. he can alter his form. Yes. So, I'm uh, cool we'll, with that. We'll, we'll go with that. Uh, but I, I, this, this is, I think this is a really good cover. I, 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 there's a lot of energy coming. It sets up the, uh, the battle. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with this. And is, jumping right into it. Go ahead. Is the first page inside supposed to be in black and white? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is a throwback to uh, some of, again, a memory button that they're pushing. They did this on the inside front cover of their square-bound 25-cent books back in the day. Mm. That was sort of a table of contents. So, yeah, this is written in that style. Oh, yeah. And it absolutely is, is done. Uh, again, that's intentional. Wax my bowstrings. Man, I can't believe Hawkeye was such a douche. 
Well, they keep pushing that. And Jarvis getting back at him. I want to point <laughs> something out about that, uh, as long as you've brought it up. Um, yeah, Jarvis show, shows that he's got a, a little um, backbone here, but they never make this pay off. I was expecting that this itching powder was going to come, you know, play off later in the series, or in mm-hmm. this, at least in these five issues, or or somehow have a payoff. And to my great surprise, it doesn't. Well, I think it's just more or less the thought process that he's not the uh, the whipping boy that he's been letting himself be. Yes, and that he's eventually going to get Hawkeye's respect. Yeah, one way or the other, he's 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 not openly you know vicious towards Hawkeye, but he's also not going to be take his bullshit, for lack of a better word. So. Going on to issue four, synopsis-wise, again, like you said, uh, he, he's putting itching powder into Hawkeye's uh, tunic. And then we get a, a cry of pain because Hawkeye, with his uh, two broken legs, is being wheeled into the uh, mansion on a stretcher. Uh, Quicksilver, Quicksilver. Quicksilver, excuse me. And Crusader's uh, a little standoffish there. But, uh, you know, she, she tells everybody, oh, I'm going to amplify his uh, metabolism to heal him, but can't tell if there's damage. And clearly she's manipulating his mind to get him to not want to, uh, you know, to kill his confidence, basically. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's he's got his issues with them right now, and he's not he's not he's not joining in the fun. And then we have. What is it? Hawkeye's. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember everything in here. Uh, the acrobat dresses up as Hawkeye. The acrobat. That's not. Um... That's the one who had dressed up as Captain America before he was revived. But is but is that the one that that um, Stephen and Andy call Zante? No. Oh, okay. But <laughs> he sure. might as well be. Um, they perform the same function. Hmm. Yeah, the acrobat was the one who was faking as Captain America in Strange Tales. He fought the Human Torch. Mm. Right, one, one fourteen. And apparently, uh, there's, a costume, as, there's a costume person there with the acrobat that, oh, yes. I don't know, amps up his power and kills a homeless person nearby. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I can't figure out who that might be. Now, why would she have dressed up like this? Like someone I, from the Doom Patrol? I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the Night Phantom, if you can remember that villain. Very similar appearance or lack of appearance. Why would she do this? Why is she? There's a lot she... of things that are not answered in this book that, when we get to the last issue that I'm going to bring up, that I'm sure you guys are going to bring up too. Well, hell, that's going to happen in the end of this book. Right. This I issue. was expecting that this acrobat was going to pay off, that it was going to lead to something. Nope. Like he... You know, yeah, he, not really. he's a good supporting he, character here, but I thought perhaps as we get to issue five, I'll, we'll talk about where I thought he was going to come back or how he was going to get his comeuppance. Note what, who, who he's dressing as. Well, yeah, he's dressing as Hawkeye. Yeah, and I wonder if maybe that's where the itching powder was supposed to come uh, in, that, that he was supposed to eventually react to it and go, geez. Hmm. But go on. Anyway, so he, what's it, he robs a bank as Hawkeye, mm-hmm. and 
is, I guess, partially due to the manipulation by Cressida, is confronted by the uh, fellow Avengers uh, who, who are not so quick to believe him his, in his innocence. But just as he's ready to leave, you know, Cap has a change of heart and decides that they have to uh, do some team building. Now, and do you, in order to do that, go ahead. Do you think that's an, that's, that's an attribute to Cap's willpower? And that he's actually probably shaking off because you see, uh, Cressida looks on, and then Cap. I mean, unless that, um, you know, you know, she looks all smug, and and Cap says, "Clint, wait," and then she's like, "What? Let let him go. He doesn't want us." Like she's surprised that like this kind of foiled her plan. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly true. I think you know, Cap is a little bit more mentally strong than she anticipated and he's able to kind of you know fight through this a little bit better than she planned i got one more notice the first time that cap has used clint's first name at the top of the page he calls clint wait yeah we have never Mm. had hawkeye's first name used for years in but this is kind of changing things to to indicate well they did know who he was obviously Mm. they had to have known at some point but that's kind of revisionist. Well, a few panels back. Is that one newspaper, or how many newspapers is Cap ripping through to get the Hawkeye? Because <laughs> that seems like a fairly large newspaper. Was that the Sunday edition, I think? <laughs> Must I mean, because be. that's a lot of newspaper, man. <laughs> yeah, they're all over the newspapers. It's like, frah, just ripping through them. Yeah. Sorry. Please continue, sir. Okay, where was I? Let's see. So they decide that the way to team build is to have a rematch with the Frightful Four. So they openly challenge them, and the Frightful Four accept the challenge, but now we only have three Avengers here, and they have Cressida power them up, and they take on the Frightful Four. And I just want to make sure I get this right. They do, they do defeat them, but then as they're wrapping up, uh, Cap throws his shield and stops Cressida from leaving, saying uh, something about how she surged Sandman's power and that you know they, they weren't too stupid to notice. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, he says, do you think we were too stupid to notice? And she says, frankly, Captain, yes. But then uh, she... She basically starts telling us she has reasons for some sort of past grudge against the Avengers. Against Cap. Against Cap. And then she uses her power to... Well, no. She says that for past sins, I wanted to break the Avengers in secret for reasons you can't even guess. But... Well, he says, you, have no, you don't have the faintest clue about how much you owe me. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know... She, she uses her power to kind of drain the life force from the Avengers, and the last panel is her kind of squatting among the uh, desiccated bodies of Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, and Cap. Now, this is where Kurt and I had left off. Uh, he had sent me these books, and the fifth issue hadn't come out yet. And he and I messaged each other back and forth for, uh, I guess, for quite a while, actually, uh, speculating on what could be going on here. What, what is her, her grudge? And trying to put together our own knowledge of the Avengers from 
issue 16 back and figure out you know what what how does this fit into that continuity who could she be an agent of or who could she be and i you know if i remember correctly we had a couple of theories but nothing too firm at this point i really didn't think they had given us much in the way of hints but we had fully anticipated that come issue five there was going to be kind of an epiphany where it's gonna be like oh that's who she is and that's what was mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. okay well let me tell you what my original when i started to read issue five and and when we get to the end of this issue i'll tell you what my new theory is is that i thought this was loki oh that's what i thought because this person was using all their powers which could be you know amped up their powers that's who i, I thought it was well, I think the closest that Kirk and I came on that was to actually think that she might be the Enchantress. Right. Or, mm. or empowered by the Enchantress. If you go back to the original issue, I'm sorry, the first issue, and they're rounding up the Masters of Evil, there's a reference to saying, well, the Enchantress and the Executioner are nowhere to be seen. They must have run off with their tails between their legs. Well, well, that's can you because, them? well, no, because they did that because we just cu- covered that. Right. Um, and it was because they knew what where Thor was taking the rest of them. So they split because they didn't want to get trapped in that dimension. They knew what they would be defeated is what I remember from that, which okay. is why the, why why they left. I was thinking that this is her in another. Cressida is the enchantress that she ran to Thailand to hide and that that her next appearance we know is going to show up in like uh, Avengers 21. I thought this was an interim tale that was going to tell, you know, where did she go or how did she go or the issue running from uh, the executioner because those two split. They don't they don't stick together anymore after issue 16. They you know have some solo adventures or she becomes a, a main character and he's just left in the dirt for years until Walt Simonson picks him up in Thor and dusts him off and really, really utilizes him to great advantage. But that was my machine guns, just like he'll be doing in Ragnarok. Yeah, baby. Oh, sorry. All right. Um, Kirk, do you want to do issue five? I can try. Can I point out something in four before we leave? Absolutely. Um, If you look, do you have a paper copy in front of you? Because that last splash page where she's uh, kneeling down among their uh, decimated bodies. Mm-hmm. The opposing page is a full-page uh, ad, an in-house ad from 1965. Can you guys see that? It's, uh, um, yes, it's a can. mock-up that shows the Fantastic Four annual, number three, the Wedding of Reed and Sue, the Spider-Man second annual, the Howling Commandos uh, first annual, the Marvel Tales 2, I guess it is, and Thor... And you know the, the strange thing, guys? Out of these five books, I saw four of them on the spinner rack at this time. I had them in mm-hmm. my hands, and as a kid, I didn't buy them. I didn't understand the serial nature of comics. Oh, I kicked myself for, for uh, missing that. And if you go back earlier in the this issue, when uh, Captain America is saying, Clint, wait, again on the opposing page, you have a four-panel in-house ad for the books of this time period that shows you Fantastic Four 44, um, the appearance of Gorgon, uh, Spider-Man number 30, uh, Sergeant Fury and Howling Commandos 23, and uh, Strange Tales 138. 
And again, guys, three out of the four of these issues I had in my hands. Saturday afternoons, I would come back from the bowling alley and I would stand in the drugstore and get warm and flip through these things and go, oh, this isn't done in one. This isn't like DC. Well, I don't have any money anyway, so I'll put it back on the rack as they say, kid, this ain't library. Get out of here. <laughs> okay. Issue uh, 5.1. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. The cover is uh, kind of a pale pastel blue, uh, purple, somber scene. It's shot up from the grave sites of Captain America, Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver. Each one has a headstone, and it's clear that the original Avengers are standing behind, sort of in the shadows, looking down very somber that their replacements have all died. And the banner title says, Death Be Not Proud. That title's been used again and again and again. Um I like this cover. I like all of these covers, but I, I especially like the ones that show the original Avengers because they've got Giant Man with the right helmet and the right costume for the period. Iron Man has evolved slightly from his first appearance on the first cover when he has uh, kind of, um, what do you call them, horns or uh, a peaked, um, I don't know how to describe it, the, the V-shape on his mask. Now his, it's evolved his, a little bit more. His mask had, had raised the points... Uh, by his forehead were raised in the original costume, which was accurate to the time. Uh, mm-hmm. And at this point, he is truly what they, you know, called shellhead because it's very smooth. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that helps the description at all. They have the Hulk with them still, although he has not been a member, an active member of the Avengers since at least it's... issue, well, five. That's when he disappears uh... out of the corner box, but he yeah. departs in issue three when he becomes a villain or at least fights on the side of Namor. See, I got him in, Paul. There you go. There's a Namor. I was surprised you didn't get him in when we talked about the Atlantean sea monster. You were on a roll. I wasn't going to interrupt you. Okay, Okay, so that's the cover. Um, And when we turn to the first page, again, as Bill pointed out, it's in black and white. This is one of these recreated inside cover um, table of contents is the best thing. It has all the production credits. And also um, should probably note that there's a footnote here someplace where they talk about how many people had a hand in this and that they actually needed. Oh, no, it's on the next page. Um, anyway, so this this black and white kind of menu or uh, table of contents, again, pushes your buttons. If you remember those original, especially the square bound annuals uh, from that 1965 period, turning to the splash page, classic cover image classic splash page that shows each one of the heroes in a withered form and the villain right in the middle crackling with energy it just boy this is so right out of that period but not necessarily out of cap's kooky quartets wade and kitson are hitting the right notes um and really doing a good job note the the uh, asterisk on the credits by mark farmer for inks jason jordan boyd for colors and uh, Barry Kitson, it says, with some help, see recap page for details. This leads me to think that this story, this issue, was altered, that it got some revisions. I'm not certain why, but I have a feeling that it didn't go in the direction that you and I were expecting, Paul. I think somebody told them to change directions. There's been some uh, recharting of the course. Okay, so very possible. So we're rejoining. The, uh, the tale just at the same point where the last issue broke off 
she's victorious. She says, finally they pay. Finally I have my revenge. And you, what are you looking at? She says as she turns around to the media that are filming all this. She attempts to blast the media and the original Avengers intercede and say, hey, we're here to avenge. It's everybody except for the Hulk, obviously. And they start to uh, take on her, leave the Wasp alone. Giant Man swats her. She takes on Thor, but isn't terribly effective against him. Again, I was thinking maybe because they're two Asgardians, but we'll shelve that theory for now. So nobody is really terribly effective in keeping her in check, in part because she's manifesting Quicksilver's abilities. She's flipping like Captain America. Her power set is apparently to mimic those whose power she's taken or life energies he's, she's taken. Can you say super adaptoid? Yeah, that mm. crossed my mind, too. But that's way too early in the tale. I know, but it's just, uh, just that's a That's a good question. Uh, I'll have to think more about that. I don't know that he's got time travel abilities, but let's save that thought for a little later. Um, so she escapes from the original Avengers, and they are left with the withered corpse, if you will, of the, uh, the four replacements. The art really shifts as we get to about the fifth page here. It says 48 hours later, and it's sort of a full-page splash of the Avengers, uh, the original Avengers standing over the coffins of the replacements. The artist has changed. This this page doesn't fit, but we'll keep going. Um, we're back to the same sort of artwork a little bit later on. Uh, as we turn to the next couple of pages, the original Avengers are uh, very sad as the services come to an end, and the Wasp says, hey, just like you predicted, High Pockets, look, look who we flushed out. And sure enough, hiding behind a tree at the funeral we have Avenger X, Cressida. Hawkeye immediately fires a net arrow. Oh, look, they're not really dead. They were merely playing possum or they were hiding in the, the shadows. They had expected her to show up at this funeral service, and so they try to ambush her. And the original Avengers say, here, let us help you. And Cap's team says, no, no, this is our fight. We got her. So... Wanda grabs her with a, a hex that the tree grabs her, hold of her, and she says, don't ever mock me, uh, in response to Hawkeye saying, hey, it was all my idea. I knew you wouldn't be able to keep away from an Avengers funeral. This is all my idea, and I don't appreciate you, uh, you t saying I was the weakest one. So now they start to fight as a team, and they do a fairly good job of uh, at least countering her moves uh, except they realize that something's not right, um, that sh they think that the clock is, is running and she should be running out of power at this point, except they can't figure out where did she get more energy. The assumption is, hey, it was Jarvis. And Hawkeye takes off for the mansion. They get inside and they see Jarvis collapsed, but he is not withered. So kind of... Um, Hawkeye has his moment when he realizes, oh, I took this guy for granted. Quick, um, you know, Quicksilver, take him to the hospital, the closest one or the farthest one, actually, so that you're out of her sphere of influence. And so she comes bursting in. It's um, Cressida on the attack. And instead of being a team fighting together, Cap says, scatter, make her expend more energy. He goes to the gym. She breaks in and tries to uh, take him down. And in fact, she does. She takes Cap down after a good hand-to-hand -hand struggle. 
So she knocks him down, and then she goes after the others. She comes after the Scarlet Witch and uh, just about gets her on the ropes, except when she turns around, Hawkeye's standing there all set, ready to take her out. And in fact, after some back-and-forth dialogue, um, he fires his arrows and says, well, you may be a god, but uh, you still have to breathe, and gets her with a gas arrow. So uh, she's coughing, and now she's saying, I'll kill you, I'll kill you. But Cap has revived. He hits her with a shield. Wanda's powered up again. Quicksilver shows up. Um, For some reason, it looks like Wanda is powering up uh, Quicksilver, who gets her in a whirlwind and powers her right out of the Avengers' mansion. She goes sailing through the sky and lands in a nearby forest. And what a coincidence. Who happens to be hiding in that forest? It's the remaining three members of the Frightful Four. Uh, this is is stretching the bounds of coincidence for me. I mean, this is this is going just a little bit over the top. What are the odds that this would happen? And also, I noticed that the art has changed just a little bit, or the inking has changed in these final pages. Well, these final pages is where I think I see Mark Bagley, whose name is mentioned on the first page. There you mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Now, why it changes or why he's got a hand in it, uh, we'll talk about that a little later. Definitely um, where you see the Frightful Four, or three, at this mm-hmm. point. They take her out rather quickly. Each one attacks. Um, keep her off guard. She's not got anywhere near as much power as she had before. They were planning on apparently burying Medusa as a traitor. Medusa is not here, but they knock Cressida into the open grave. Trapster hits her with, I think this is his paste, but it's shaded green and basically smothers her. And she's pleading, I'm, I'm sorry, please, mercy, please. And he smothers her. Um, somebody says, you got to be kidding. And that's when the wizard elevates a gigantic boulder with one of his anti-grab devices, floats it over top of the grave, and then drops it on her, sealing her in the grave. And he says, oh, we'll leave you with something to commemorate it. And he uses apparently a laser to carve something on this slab, on this boulder. He gives her the old James T. Kirk, uh, uh, Gary Mitchell treatment. James R. Kirk. James R. Kirk, excuse me. Yes, dropping the big rock on them. So Sandman says, hey, I think I see the Avengers coming, but we don't mess with them today until we find a good, strong fourth. Let's split. So they leave. The Avengers keep searching the wooded area, and although they look behind every tree and through the bushes, they totally miss or overlook this hastily made grave with the boulder laying on it. And she says, well, she escaped. And Wanda says... I feel a fading Hicks residue, but I can't find her. Well, she escaped. So they turn and leave, and the camera tilts down and close up on the boulder where the wizard has carved, Here lies Avenger X, bravest of us all. All Remember that. Here's my theory. Okay. So after that, and what you guys were talking about, maybe her being an inhuman... And, you know, we realize, okay, well, maybe that's because they don't want to use, they don't want to use too many mutants anymore or bring her into the Avengers, blah, 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 et cetera, whatever. Um, It made me remember when they, years ago, that they did Deadly Genesis and introduced the third Summers brother, Mm -hmm. who was kind of stuck on the, on crack, crack, yes, 
Krakatoa. Yes, up in space. Island that walks like a man. Yes. Yeah. So I'm thinking if uh, now, as as I thought of that theory, and then we were talking more, I went to the final page of this that we'll, we'll discuss because my other gripe was, and then I hadn't read the actual final final page. I was like, well, this doesn't answer anything. Who's who's Avenger X? What did she want? What did they do, or what did she think they did to her? Yeah, they didn't answer any of that. Yeah, well... And ultimately, my feeling walking away was, and and I was a little disappointed with this aspect of it, is we weren't trying to just tell a retroactive tale for the enjoyment of telling it. We were trying to create a character that we're going to bring into current day continuity. Which I guess that's the last page, because now I'm, I'm a little confused. Is this the very... I've kind of jumped to the, not not the last page of the story, but the last page of the book, yes. where it says the mystery of Avenger X reaches its climax in this not to be missed issue, and it's number six. Now, is this number six of the same series? Not no. a six point no. one. It's six of another because it says it's part well, six of the Kang War. Right. So, yeah. Okay. That's that's the Avengers proper series that's coming out now. And amazingly, when I got this issue and held it in my hand and flipped through it, I saw this last image and went, oh, look, it's Kang. That's Oh, I've seen this layout before, this bottle, sand, uh, sand through the bottle uh, image before. And what happens But the clerk across the counter from me says, oh, and you might be interested in this, and drops right next to me that exact issue, that cover. So I had you know, the two images right in front of me, and boy, was I freaking out for a second. It's like, wait a minute. Anyway, so I bought six. I don't okay, have I it right in front of me, but I've got it. And let me warn you guys, if you haven't already, Marvel's not going to be happy that I say this, but don't waste your time. Issue six uh. ties up the Earth's Mightiest Heroes Avengers storyline, the Kang War. And the last page is nothing but a silent, um, what's the word I want? Truck uh, zoom in in Avengers Mansion in the basement going past piles of junk and machinery zooming in on the far wall and getting closer and closer and you can see there's some sort of a crypt or some sort of a carved legend on a I don't know how to say this it, on a on a crypt that says is, is here this like lies the Avengers of the X, bravest of us all. <laughs> hmm. So and it says so we gotta get to at least issue seven then before we can yes. find out where this is going. That's right. My impression right is they're going to pick up this story of, gee, she's been entombed for all these years, but how she gets to the bottom of Avengers Mansion, I don't, I'm not clear she on was, that. But she was put there by top men, top right. men, <laughs> so, or maybe reality right, has warped. Is. But whatever it is, this character, or at least the concept of Avenger X, doesn't really surface in issue six. It's going to show up in issue seven. And I've not seen that one. It's not out yet. Hmm. But that, that leads me to the theory of what we th- what I think is going on here. Remember how the art changed here? I yeah. think somebody said, oh, 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 the sales figures for this miniseries are coming in. Wow, they really like it. Hey, guys, let's not kill her off. Let's not apprehend her. Do something different, and let's bring her into modern day. I don't think it was the original idea that she was going to surface so quickly or that she would ever come back but i think somebody said oh we could tie it into current continuity if we would just leave a cryptic ending here because you'll see on the last page of the story the artwork reverts back to the original style 
But they do, I mean, obviously they're going to resurrect her, but they do kind of leave off as if she's dead. She was smothered yes. and buried. Yes. So there, yeah, but there you is, know, like if you take this series on its own, there's no reason to feel that it's incomplete. Well, Correct. but like if you said, you said, Paul, if she's an adaptoid, then she doesn't need to breathe. And maybe I, I, I kind of throw that out. Maybe she didn't realize set. she was an adaptoid until she was smothered and then she couldn't move. Other, other than the power set aspect of it, I don't really have any basis to, you know, I, I didn't see any clues right. that would tell me that she was not uh, a living, breathing person. Yeah, I think she knows exactly what she is and what her power set is all the way through. She's lying to people. She's constantly misleading them that she's not as powerful as she is until finally she's unmasked, so to speak, and then she lets loose. I don't buy that she's an adaptoid. But I do share your theory, uh, Bill, that Krakatoa, the island that walks like a man, that crossed my mind, too. I wondered if in some way she was related or part of that consciousness or it, it at least crossed my mind, but hmm. my money was on the enchantress, as I've already said. My money is on. My <clears throat> money is now on Inhuman. Sorry, say that again. So my money is on that she's an Inhuman. Okay. Well, they've altered some of our history here, implying that uh, Medusa has left the um, the Frightful Four at this point. That she's abandoned them. Um, what actually happens in the Fantastic Four 43, they clean their clocks, but good, and get all three of them in custody. And Medusa escapes when Johnny has a momentary daydream and think, damn, she's good looking. Oh, what am I doing? She's getting away. And then has to come back to Reed and say, well, well, you know, she got away. And Reed starts to clean his clock and say, how could she? You had a good, and it's like, leave me alone, Reed. Did you see that body? Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't quite say that, but that's the point. And that's the end of the uh, the arc there. They go to the Reed and Sue wedding in um, in the annual, and then the next issue is the beginning of um, Joe Sinnott's inking and the final long, long run on the Fantastic Four that just accelerates through the Inhumans and Galactus and Doctor Doom, and, you know, it, it starts in the next issue with Medusa on the run, but... Her path crosses not only the FF, but Gorgon's on her tail, and you know, the whole Inhuman saga goes from there. Instead, Mark Wade has kind of changed history here, implying that the three Frightful Four members got away. Well, okay, for the purposes of this story and this arc, yeah, that's fine, but that's he's rewritten history. That's not exactly how it went down. Medusa did not defect. She got chased off when the others were all being beaten uh, in the Fantastic Four, and a wonderful—it's a wonderful arc and a wonderful turn at the end of forty-three. If you ever get a chance, guys, you got to read that. It's—it's it's one of the most exciting edge of your seat turnarounds, snatching victory from the the dregs of defeat that I've ever seen. It's so well executed. We didn't talk about the last page of the story in issue five here. Um, but they're basically, they're saying Jarvis is on the mend. He'll be back within the week. Hey, we're lucky that we got out with our lives, says Cap. Um, and here's here's what we were talking about, the Minotaur. Wanda says, hey, I've been pondering this. Did Iron Man not recommend finding the Hulk? And mm. Cap completes the thought, saying to convince him to rejoin the team. Huh, that's a good thought. 
course, you know, what does it mean if you're uh, in Avengers? You know, you take on the impossible, you achieve the impossible. So you know what that sounds like to me? This sounds like a job for the Avengers. And then it says very clearly, to be continued in Avengers number 17, four against the Minotaur. And you guys didn't review that, did you? No, we have not done that. You did 18, the Commissar? Yes. (laughs) And that was really more or less at random. It wasn't in an effort to be... Uh, comprehensive in our coverage well 17 and 18 in my books are are, they're not the best stories as you guys Mm, found out but no they are not so that's that's my uh summary slash critique um presentation of 5.1 what do you guys think our our various theories with regard to the character do not actually encompass the fact that she has a grudge against either the avengers or cap now if you go to the the enchantress one if you stick with that mm. then obviously that would unless she's an adaptoid and they were just uh they but just have, predates the oh adaptoid. that's true that's true that, that's yeah, right so he would have had to mm. have either time traveled or somebody played with reality which i will has happened pull back the curtain it happens in that avengers six issue that you see right at the end it's and the end of a Kang war, and, and reality has been warped, has been what, changed. What, again? Didn't they just change yes, everything after yes. Secrets? Jesus Christ. Here we go. <laughs> uh. All right, so why don't, why, don't we, uh, why don't we give some ratings on this thing? I think we just do it as a whole, if you like, unless you, uh, unless you think that it demands that you do it individually. No, I mean, well, I, I'm, I'm ready to do a, a whole rating. Yeah, well, I'm going to say since since Kirk, you were the oh, yeah, uh, yeah. the instigator of this. Oh boy! Uh, I'm going to say, why don't you go first? Well, I probably I know you're already... not big on the ratings, but you yeah, know, it's too bad it's our show. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Um, I've probably already tipped my hand. I think a lot of this series. I like the cover art. I like the interior art. I see somebody else's hand in that last issue changing the art and changing the direction of that story so i don't think it finished quite the way that mark wade had intended but for whatever reason it is what it is i i really like the covers i think they're well laid out i think they evoke both the original avengers and caps quartet very well issue four i didn't mention it earlier but that layout of that cover reminds me of so many that i've seen before specifically Fantastic Four 63. If you go look at it, it also has a black cover and the same sort of fighting across from one side of the the, uh, cover to the other of the heroes and the villains. So I'll I'll let you go dig that one up on your own. I like it. I think it works. I think if this is collected in a trade, and it almost certainly will be, it's worth plunking down your money for it. I enjoyed the, the trip down memory lane. It really spoke to me because I started my collecting back here, back at this time period. And, you know, that that was pre-internet, guys, the pre-comic book stores. The only way that you could get back issues was you had to trade your friend down the street or talk your cousin out of his issue or search those yard sales or maybe the barbershop that had a worn-out issue that's been on their their reader rack with a magazine for, for months or years. Those were the only places you could find back issues. So this this takes me back to my childhood, and I have really enjoyed, you know, a blast from the past. I don't know how current readers are going to take to this. Um, I hope they enjoy it. I hope it doesn't put them off 
because it's too old school. But I view this as a very well thought out, well executed attempt to recruit those uh, older fans that have been disenfranchised by all the recent Marvel revisions and changes. I'd see them playing directly to my age group with this, and I think it works. So to give it a grade, easily B+. A minus, there are a couple of loose threads in the plot or in a couple of the the ends that we were expecting to play off. I think it works all right, and I think it'll be successful as a trade. How's that for grading, Paul? That seems pretty fair to me. Uh, I'm going to say the covers on a whole, I enjoyed each one of them, and I did think they were somewhat evocative of the old style. Uh, I thought they were all good, so I'm going to say... Cumulative, I'm going to give them a B. The interior art in the books, uh, and we did point out where there's that stark change in the art, but even with that, I thought it was all really solid. As we said when we started out, it it evoked the old-time house style without aping any particular artist, which I I really like when... I I, I don't want to be wishy-washy, because sometimes I do like when they ape individual artists. But in this instance, I just think it worked better the way they did it rather than trying to make it look like somebody else from the past. So I'm going to say a B for the interior art as well. The story had me riveted through the four issues you gave me. Then the fifth issue that I had to go out and buy, I don't know if it's a byproduct of actually having to spend money, uh, <laughs> but, it, but it was a little disappointing to me. And the, the biggest reason that it was disappointing was that it didn't give a clear explanation for who she was i i really thought we were going to have that in the fifth issue i wanted it to all be wrapped in a tiny you know a nice neat bow when it was done and they didn't really give me that so i'm going to give it a b minus because they didn't give me what i wanted and it would have been a it would have been b's all around for me except for the fact that we didn't get that neat bow so i'm going to say a b minus on the story but that may get resolved in future issues of the avengers if they use her to good effect Will, time will tell. Good. Yeah. Um, I I enjoy each of the covers myself, so I'm going to give those all, like you guys, uh, you know, a, a, a grade altogether of a, of a B. Um, the interior art is good as well. Um, like, like we said, it's, you know, invokes the style but doesn't ape any particular artist. Uh, so that's a B as well. Um, the story, I, I too did not like it, uh, that it didn't wrap itself up. And, and, and I feel, and I was going to go with a C, but then I thought about, you know, I can't complain about stories that don't, wrap things up in a bow because we have actually bitched and well about that you know about stories that do that are done for a trade although sometimes a trade will 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 just do a storyline to lead into the next storyline which i guess this kind of does but kind of like in okay like in the Korvac saga 
we went on about how you know oh this is great this was this was slowly built up over time so i can't in good conscience give this a c when i've praised the fact that everything was not handed to me on a platter in the past so i have to stick and give it a b and give the overall um piece of work a b as well did i make sense with that or was i rambling because i'm tired (laughs) you you made sense in a rambling kind of way okay like normal Hey, at least oh, but boom, boom. We should so, also so, point out the uh, uh, the Avengers logo across each one of these five issues. It's the original old school Avengers logo from the first, oh, I don't mm-hmm. know, 50, 60 issues or so before they made the revision. That also speaks to the older fan. It's like waving a flag saying, come home, come home. <laughs> also, the, uh, the, the box up at the upper left corner is... Uh, the same as they had at that time with the pictures of the faces of the Avengers on it. That come was back, a Steve Shane, Ditko innovation, back. by the way. Credit hmm. where credit's due. Steve Ditko came up with that concept, uh, from what I hear. Yeah, I did not know that. So that's that's actually kind of cool to find out. Uh, that's our coverage of the point one issues of the most recent Marvel Now Avengers. Story. I want to thank Kurt for sending them to me. Most of all, well, I knew I you'd be interested. Thank you, and, and very much so. And I want to thank you for coming on with us tonight. It's a pleasure mm-hmm. to have you on. Finally, I mean, now I you've been you. on bins already, but not with us. So now it's a pleasure to have you on with us. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, I really appreciate being invited on, guys. This means a great deal to me. Um, having, you know, I, I should apologize when I first appeared in in um in this series i was critical of back to the bins only because i was coming off from um the fantastic cast and as you know steven runs a really tight ship a very formulaic um podcast and that's what i was expecting when i stumbled across yours and that's why i was knocked for a loop i didn't know what i was finding but i've really come to appreciate (laughs) it and enjoy it well, I, I got to tell you, I, I I took your criticism to heart. I did not find it to be offensive in any way, uh, and I feel like it, it helped us to learn a little bit. I don't know how much we've changed, but maybe <laughs> but maybe we're a little bit more self aware. I'm more well, relaxed. Well, I guess if we've changed, I guess in degrees it would be uh, one degree. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I would not criticize the Fantastic Cast. I enjoy listening to it very much. Uh, so I, I think their rigid format is works very, very well for them. Right. Uh, I, I don't think that suits Bill and I as far as our personalities quite as well. But, you know, I, I, far be it for me to criticize their show. I, I enjoy it, as I said, very much. And I've learned quite a bit doing my own podcast now that it is, you know, it, it's hard to be that regimented. It is much easier when you're doing a regular production to be more relaxed and more informal. So I've been on a learning curve myself. Uh, can I plug my podcast? Absolutely. Oh, sure. I wasn't going to let you get off without doing it. Uh, my daughter and I have been doing a series called Imperious Rex Confessions of a Serial Surface Invader. It is, of course, about Prince Namor, the Submariner. And we look at the Silver Age uh, appearance, his, solo, his first solo appearances, uh, from Tales to Astonish 70 through, I don't know how far we're going to go, if we're going to go all the way up to the birth of his solo book or if we're going to stop someplace in the meantime, I'm, I'm not sure. But 
they were the issues that were coming out during this same time period um, in the mid-60s, mid to, uh, yeah, mid-60s, 65, 66. And so there's a very strong soap opera element that Gene Colan brings to the book that I enjoy and I treat very seriously, almost like they're, um, you know, I, I have a great deal of reverence for it. My daughter, on the other hand, is irreverent and is poking fun at it all the time. So it, it really, you know, there's dynamic, dynamic tension here between the two of us as she's trying to constantly cut up and, and point out foibles and mistakes in the art. And I'm trying to treat it like, man, it's chapters of the Bible. How dare you be critical of <laughs> Silver Age Marvel? So uh, we're I, not I in wide distribution. You, what? I, uh, I'm not a fan of when people come to the Back to the Bins Facebook page and the only reason they come is to post their stuff and then they leave and they are not otherwise participants in our community. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've actually deleted some posts like that because I feel like, you know, my job isn't to, or our job isn't to advertise their shows. Uh, and I would say, having said that, you are a, an active member of our community. You participate in the show. You write into the show. You're, you're part of it all. And I welcome you to post every episode of Imperious Rex as you do it on our Facebook page. Well, thank you. I have to mm -hmm. uh, give a tip of my hat to my daughter. She's really the creative Photoshop person who has taught me how to make those fake newspaper clippings uh, about some of the, uh, you know, as if these issues were coming out. How would the press be reporting some of these things? It's been, mm -hmm. you know, a lark. It's been fun. And uh, she's she's taught me a lot, but she's really the artiste. She's you know she's just out of college, and and she knows so much more about digital production and computers and the internet than I do at this point. So it's you know we've been teaching each other as we've gone along, and we've really enjoyed it. So thank you for the invitation, and I, I will continue to keep you updated as we do our episodes. We're not in wide distribution, um, and I'm looking for ways to solve that. But we've got about 13 issues episodes i should say out so far okay and uh, what i would tell everybody listening is i do listen to the show and i enjoy it uh, now those happen to be issues that i enjoy as well which helps that process but i enjoy the episodes and listening to kirk and ren talk about them and critique them and every once in a while they hit on top of something it's like wow i hadn't thought of that even though i've seen these things so many times uh so i i would recommend the show highly and hopefully you do find a way to uh to mass distribute it somehow. You can find it on yourlisten.com, on mediafire.com, and on my daughter's Tumblr page. Look for Serial Surface Invaders. Um, I'm not sure if you could find it by searching keyword of Imperious Rex, but those are at least three ways I you, think can you find can find it. I think you can. I think I have done that in the past. So they're all don't, there. Don't. They're all linked. You can find links to them all, but... Uh, we're not on iTunes yet, and although I keep telling her, I think we need to be on iTunes, she's reluctant for some reason. I haven't quite figured that one out yet. We'll have to investigate. Bill, are you still right. there, or have I bored you? No, no, I'm, no, I'm here. <laughs> All right, and I guess we're going to close out on that. And once again, Kirk, thanks very much for coming on. Uh, it's been fun. My pleasure. Thank yes, you, guys. Yes, thank you. Nope, thank you. No, 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 thank you. No, no, I insist. Oh, no, no, after you. No. Oh, no, 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 no. Please, 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 after you. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. 
You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. My upper groin hurts. I when you know. About where the appendix would guess, be, but I know it's not that. Guess what's going at the end of this episode? <laughs> My upper groin hurts. Yep. <laughs>